faithwire.com. President Biden calls for unity at the National Prayer Breakfast. Today's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. Love that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can find us on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe over there, and we'd love to have you with us. Joining me today, as always, Trey Gones Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire on this Thursday. What's going on, fellas? Living our best lives. Oh, bait and switch, not dream, just mm, our best yeah. lives. Um, it's Friday, Junior. Yes. So I was waiting for that's that. A good, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I still am. Um, it's February, and I still think when I hear 2022, like it, that's not 2022, but right, it just it started. Is. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be talking about an Oregon church that is claiming that their religious liberties have been violated after uh, the city that they're in uh, limited how many meals they can give to homeless mm. people each week. Oh, that seems okay. I can't wait to hear that one. Um, I am going to be talking about how controversial pastor Greg Locke wants to, quote, give the devil a black eye, and he did just that apparently with a burning service. I'll explain what that means. <laughs> <laughs> a burning service. Okay. All right. I'm interested. We'll see. We'll stick around for that. All right. I'm going to start here with story number one with uh, President Joe Biden headlining the um, National Prayer Breakfast that was this morning at the U.S. Capitol. And uh, he urged a message of unity. And uh, he said, as I stand on in this citadel of democracy that was attacked one year ago, obviously making a reference to the January 6th riots there. He said, the issue is for us is unity. How do we unite us again? Unity is elusive, but it's actually really, it's really actually necessary. He said, unity doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but unity is where enough of us, enough of us believe in a core basic things, the common good, the general welfare, the faith uh, of faith in the United States of America. Uh, He went on to say that the country Uh, The division in the country has become palpable and that there is, quote, so much at stake. Uh, And then he went on to go and talk about some of the things he prays for. And he said um, that, and I quote, and I mean it, is that we sort of get back to the place. It's so busy. I think things have changed so much, but that we get to really know each other. And it's hard to really dislike someone when you know what they're going through, uh, that they're going through the same thing you're going through. Um, so there were a lot of speakers here at the event, um, that's been going on since 1953 and every president's gone since Dwight E, uh, Dwight D Eisenhower, uh, has headlined, uh, the event. So, um, it just, it's an amazing event guys that, that it actually happens because they start off reading scripture. Carrie Job was there. She was singing, um, sang a few songs, uh, worship songs throughout, throughout the event. And, um, you know, it's just remarkable to see, given that pretty much there's a there's a conniption fit from the Freedom From Religion Foundation every time God is mentioned anywhere near public property. So that the fact that they have this whole event with all these prominent politicians and figures is uh, it's really something else. Well, yeah. And the Freedom From Religion Foundation has been trying and we've covered this on Faithwire to get politicians to decree this event to say they're not going to attend um, I believe they tried to get Biden to say he wouldn't. And there's at least, I, I think it was uh, Tim Kaine. We did a story on him saying that he was not going to be um, attending any more of them, apparently. But 
We're not sure if it's because of the efforts of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. But yeah, it this event, I've been to three of them, and it is one of the most interesting events, really, I think, in, in Washington for a lot of different reasons. Um, yeah, the unity message is great and interesting, but you kind of have to live it out. You can't crash the other side all year and then show up to the prayer right. breakfast, you know, waving a unity card. You got to you got to live that out. But but it is one of the rare times that you see people on both sides of the aisle come together and sit in the same room around a common, generally a common belief, at least the existence of a higher power, which I find compelling. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder, the cynical side of me is like, I need to wonder how many people are pandering and how many people legitimately believe this. And that's people on both sides of the aisle. But the the reality is, as a believer, I can set that aside and look and say, you know, when politicians like you were saying, Billy, whether they fully believe it or if it's something that they just kind of peripherally believe uh, or if it is legitimate, it's a genuine faith belief. The good thing is, is that all of these politicians are coming together and they're talking about uh, one God, the true God, and that, that they're, we're having people like Carrie Job or worship leaders who are leading uh, the politicians in and worship music so it's it's good it's it's a net good whenever god is given glory and is given a a platform um so you know i take it as a win even if it is we even if they just put aside their partisanship for an hour and a half um at least uh they're pointing to like you said billy a higher power Hmm. yeah well it's i was (laughs) There's a lot of other elements to it, too. But, yeah, absolutely. You're going to see a lot of that get refined, too, as we move into an era mm. where the left especially has fewer people of faith, fewer constituents. Yeah. So to your point, we'll see whether or not people stick with the event, depending yeah. on that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll move into story number two. So one Oregon church in Brookings, uh, Oregon, uh, is claiming that its religious liberties have been violated after city officials. This is an interesting story to me restricted the number of times its benevolent ministry can feed the homeless uh so saint timothy timothy's episcopal church that's the congregation uh, that's now uh subject you know one of many it's all churches in brookings or all nonprofits in brookings that feed the homeless it's not just that they were targeting the city was targeting saint timothy's it's just that saint timothy's is one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent in the area uh, that was feeding the homeless. So uh, there's a new rule that requires a permit for, quote, benevolent meal service, uh, and it restricts uh, nonprofits, and all of the nonprofits in this city happen to be churches that are feeding the homeless. It restricts uh, them to feeding homeless people no more than twice uh, per week. So um, because of the fact that the only people in, in Brookings who are doing this are churches, uh, the ministers and the attorneys representing St. Timothy's have argued that it's a violation of congregants' religious freedoms. Uh, the Episcopal Church stated January 28th that the ordinance place places limits on the congregation's free expression of their Christian faith. Uh, prior to the new rule, the Reverend Bernie Lindley and his fellow church members provided meals and showers and a food bank uh, for the city's homeless population. The church also held a COVID-19 uh, vaccination clinic for people who are down on their luck. Uh, those services, though, and obviously the, the soup kitchens and, and feeding people, homeless people, uh, was concerning to Brookings residents uh, who live nearby St. Timothy's. They claimed that there's been an uptick in trespassing and other disturbances uh, since the church began offering their aid to the homeless, which uh, really started uh, ramping up around COVID because so many other churches suspended all of their ministries 
um, at the beginning of COVID, like a lot of places did. They, you know, we weren't sure what was going on, but St. Timothy's was one of the first and earliest to reopen and start, you know, having their benevolent ministry again. Uh, and that was why uh, residents were responding negatively to it because they said there was then an uptick of, of homelessness uh, in their area, or at least homeless people hanging out in the community. Uh, but um, now the church is threatening to, or is not threatening, they are going after um, the city for the ordinance. Uh, this is what Lindley, the, the reverend, said. He said, we've been serving our community here for decades and picking up the slack where the need exists and no one else is stepping in. We have no intention of stopping now and we're preparing to hold fast to our beliefs. We won't abandon the people of Brookings who need our help even when we're being threatened. Uh, so this is per Newsweek. This is what the new municipal code states. It says organizations or individuals providing benevolent meals services may serve meals to the public up to two days per week between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. No benevolent meal service shall last more than three hours um, per day. But now they have the church has attorneys um, who are have filed a lawsuit and are going to bat to get this new ordinance um, taken away. And this is interesting. This is what the mayor said uh, when the city council unanimously voted to adopt the ordinance. He said, there's nobody on this council that has made any attack on St. Timothy's whatsoever. It's not because we're all wicked. It's because we're meeting needs to serve a dual purpose. There are other ways to explain what's going on without vilifying the city council. I'm upset over this. I've been upset over it for weeks. There has never been a statement from this council or staff about shutting down benevolent kitchens. We're looking to strike an equilibrium. He also said at the time that they're, the city is having to weigh the interests of separate groups. He's, you know, we don't want to shut down the church because you're doing a, a you're providing a good charitable service. Uh, but they're trying to, like he said, balance it with the residents who are upset about it. Um, look, as far as why it matters is it, as you y'all know, and as so many of our listeners know, COVID seemed to make the disparities that exist between us so much more obvious for various reasons. We had so many people who were all of a sudden out of work. Many of them ended up homeless. Um, in, in 2020, the end of 2020, this is the last time that there's data available. Uh, Oregon's homeless population was around 14,655. Uh, it's not clear how many of those are in the Brookings area, um, but that was a huge uptick. I think it was like about 2,000 um, more um, than, than had previously been um, been recorded just a little bit earlier. So this is clearly an issue that's not going away. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out because the church is obviously providing a good service. And as believers, we know that that's our role uh, to be the hands and feet in Jesus, uh, you know, in our communities, right? So um, as far as why it matters, I think that's why it matters. And we're going to see uh, what happens, how this all shakes out. But, you know, what do y'all think about this story? Because to me, it's just a, it's a weird headline that I wasn't expecting to read. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just I've seen these kind of things before, where because of some other reason, these you know the the good actions of others get limited. And it's uh, you know, it just seems like it's very counterproductive. You know, when you're taking away something that's helping people, it just it just just seems not to make much sense. Yeah, you see it happen a lot when communities are frustrated because they're saying there's that, you know, that increase in crime or that increase in whatever. And so there does become this strange dynamic where the where some of these towns are reacting to complaints from people who live there 
um, which puts them in a really strange predicament. But I agree with you, Dan, and I've seen here in New York, there have been cases in the past too. I don't know if it's still the case, but I believe at one point um, there was a restriction on churches housing people. If you couldn't house people every night, it's a, a little bit different, but then yeah. you couldn't house them at all. Well, right. So it's yeah. like, well, come on. And it's the same thing with like uh, restaurants and stuff. They, that, that have extra food at the end of the day, they're telling them that they can't give it out, you know, to homeless people who come by these restaurants and just want to have some, have some meals. But they're saying, well, if you're throwing that food out, you know, it's, it's not healthy. It doesn't meet code or whatever the case is, whatever excuse they gave. I mean, it's just, it just seems silly. We're throwing out all this food over regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they might get sick. They might get you sick. Know, We'd rather let them starve, but they might get sick if they eat this. Well, at Grand Central in, in New York, they I noticed this at night many times. You'll see some of the restaurants, they bag the food up, like bagels, right? Tons of bagels. They bag them up in a clear plastic bag and leave it outside the shop as they're closing inside Grand Central, and they walk away. And it's very clear what they're doing, right? They know there's right. going to be homeless people who come in and they can kind of go through. They could see through the bag. Um, and and that's something that I've noticed more and more as these things have gone on. People kind of find their, their workarounds. Yeah. This. But yeah, it's counterproductive. Um, but one good piece that I, I, I've seen is that this church, St. Timothy's, they already were partnering with churches, but it seems like now they're trying to partner more with other churches in Brookings uh, so that if, you know, if all the churches can only have two days... Uh, they can get the week, uh, the week met. So maybe that's a good outcome from it is, is churches finding a way uh, to work together to serve one community. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Definitely. I love that. All right. That brings us to our last story and it's a little bizarre. It's uh it's interesting for a lot of reasons and uh, let's just dive into the details. Controversial pastor, Greg Locke. Um, he's made a pledge and this was something that got a lot of attention over the last couple of days to hold something called a burning service with his congregation. And so they came together Wednesday night, last night, and the entire goal of this, um, which is actually a really interesting conversation, was to get rid of Ouija boards and other things that they deem to be demonic. And among those things were Harry Potter books and some other you know, popular series that um, some people believe to be problematic from a faith perspective. And so last night, uh, Greg Locke had basically a little bit of a sermon. They had some worship, they had a sermon, and then they streamed this on their Facebook and on other channels, and thousands of people were tuning in. At one point in the video, uh, the pastor said that there were 22,000 people on one channel watching simultaneously um, as they held this event. So it started with a sermon and worship, and then the church moved outside, and they had what I can only describe as a massive inferno, a huge fire. And then you can see people on the video throwing what we presume to be tarot cards, Ouija boards, all of those things into the flames. And Locke you know, said to them before they went out, he said, let's go give the devil a black eye. Now, this got a lot of attention for a lot of different reasons. Um, this conversation about evil, right, which is a really important conversation to have in the church and to understand that Ephesians 6 tells us we're in a battle between good and evil and that we're smack dab in the middle of that. And we can pretend we're not, but we are. That's a reality. <clears throat> Whether or not people will agree with this event is another story. But, um, you know, there are some other controversies that surrounded this beforehand uh, Greg Locke has been doing a sermon series on deliverance. And so deliverance, for those who are not familiar, it's a concept in some Christian circles that involves freeing people from the grips of demonic influence, 
There's a lot of discussion and debate about the terminology, but many people would use the term exorcism inter interchangeably with, with the deliverance discussion. And so he's been giving these sermons, and this event was part of that. It was part of this deliverance sort of process that he's been taking the church through. Um, and again, I mentioned the Harry Potter stuff. I think that part is interesting. Not everybody would agree that Harry Potter books should be burned. Um, and also Twilight books apparently were also part of this um, these were accused of being, quote, full of spells, demonism, shape-shifting, and occultism. And so um, I think, you know, the Ouija boards, crystals, those sorts of things, a lot of Christians obviously have issues with with good reason. Scripture uh, speaks against those things. Uh, but this all came after Locke found himself also in controversy over talking about um, autistic children being uh, potentially demonized. There was a whole controversy about that. So there's been a lot happening around um, his church and around him. Um, you know, why does it matter? It's important to understand what's going on and what conversations are happening in churches uh, across the country. And this was a story that actually it, Newsweek covered it. It's actually been getting a lot of mainstream attention uh, for a variety of reasons. So I don't know what you guys think, but it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm still hung up on shape shifting. Where is uh, where's the shape shifting happening? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess it happens in Harry Potter. I'm not sure. Oh, I don't okay. Know. Yeah, that, that was in reference to Twilight and oh, Harry okay. Potter. I, I thought that this was yeah. sort of like a Ouija board thing, but somebody was trying to, you know, claiming that they were doing some shape shifting on their own there. Yeah, but... <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe someone claims that they can do that. I'm sure they're out there. I wouldn't be surprised. Are you kidding me? Would you be surprised today out of all the things that are claimed? No. no. Oh, no. There's definitely yeah. people who think they should. But look, I, this story to me, Billy, reminds me of, you don't hear these stories now as much, but in the late 90s, and I remember when I was growing up, the late 90s and the early 2000s, hearing about people, they became a Christian, and then they burned all of their secular CDs. Um, it just gives off that kind of a, a vibe to me. So it's an interesting yeah. It's an interesting thing, and it's an interesting discussion, because certainly what Locke is talking about, like dismissing the other controversies that surround him, what he's talking about here is a legitimate issue, and I know you've written about it, Billy, and talked about it a ton, um, you know, and I think we need to be talking about it more, because I think there's an undercurrent of, of spiritual warfare happening with a lot of the issues that we see on the surface, like I'm thinking namely of, of sexuality and sexual sin, I think there's a, a great deal of spiritual warfare and there's a lot of spiritual ties to it that we don't talk about um, openly. Uh, and I think it would we would do good to start talking about this stuff more openly because I think there's a connection there that we don't always see. So, you know, it's, it's good that he's raising awareness about uh, the reality of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just never looks good to have book burning in your headline right, no, there. Yeah. But not, I mean, maybe not the best way to do right, it. Right. Right. So the tactic is the questionable part here. I mean, you know, sure. going after these spiritually bankrupt sort of things, I think, is not the worst idea. I mean, I think it's good. You know, you have people that are, you know, seriously using Ouija boards and things like that. Bill, you've well documented the dangers of that. And um, so, yeah, it's the idea behind it. I think he's got the right you know, generally idea of, of like, you know, things that are dangerous to Christians, practicing Christians, but from a PR perspective, having a book burning <laughs> isn't, burn uh, the books. no, well, no. But yeah. And I think the other part of this, you know, for risk of upsetting anybody, I think, you know, when all of these issues are legitimate, obviously, 
you know, holding a massive event and noting how many people are watching it while you're holding it causes me to wonder why you're holding it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I can't pass judgment. I don't know what's in people's hearts, but you know, I think there are ways to deal with this and handle it. And my, my metric on this is, is something I'm saying or doing going to make people so weirded out that they, that they have no interest in faith. Right. And so some of these events, when you don't handle them properly, and I'm not necessarily accusing him cause I haven't watched the whole event. Um, when, you, when you don't handle them properly, actually turn people away. And so I think we have to find ways to tell the truth and engage people on these important issues without, without doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. And be more, uh, sorry, I was just going to jump in and say, and be more nuanced and like intellectual when we have these conversations, because like, I, you know, I don't know that reading Harry Potter is necessarily akin to using a Ouija board. Right, so, right. Yeah. I think, I think there's some, um, well, Trey, you know, we know what some, spiritual condition you're in. You're I a shape shifter. <laughs> I know. Well, I will in full disclosure, I have never read the books, which my friends have have made fun of me for that because I really like the movies. Um, but I know that might get me in trouble. So I'll just, you know, it is what oh, it so is. You're yeah. lazy. I, okay. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not a big novel fan, which I wish I was. Me either. No, I'm with you. Who's got the yeah. time? I, I, I can't find the time. I, do any of you even have time to read? I read scripture. That's yeah. what I read. Right. I read the Bible and the, and the news. Yeah. 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 Same. And sometimes I wish I just didn't read the news at right. all. <laughs> then the news leaves you not wanting to read anything else. You're like, okay, that so was. So you need that to read the Bible. Everything. To yeah. Exactly. Balance it out. <laughs> all right. Well, um, if you want more we've news. We've gone off the rails. Yeah, we've gone off the rails. Better end it now. Um, but a couple other stories. One of you check out on CBNnews.com. We got uh, U.S. Special Forces raiding a terrorist haven in northwest Syria, apparently killing a top mm -hmm. ISIS leader. Um, so we've got that going on and uh, over at Faithwire, we have got uh, the story of a heart pumping video showing the shocking moment victims jump from the fiery window as cops selflessly saved lives and um, incredible stuff there. Also have a miracle story of a mother to be surviving a violent hit and run and delivered a baby prematurely because of it. So um, got those stories and more over on CBNnews.com and faithwire.com where we have news from a Christian perspective. So that is all the time we have for this episode here on Friday Junior, as Trey would say. <laughs> so enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and uh, we will see you, Lord willing, all back here tomorrow uh, for our Friday episode. God bless. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you then. <laughs>